All right. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Kings chapter 12, starting with verse 1. Question I have while you're turning to your, in your Bibles. When you have a decision to make, an important decision, what do you do to help you make that decision? Some people just uh, make the decisions on their own. Other people will ask close friends, uh, family, uh, what they think. The, the question, though, is, are you asking people their opinions and, and what you should do who both perhaps maybe agree or have the same worldview and thought as you do? But do you also get opposing views so that it gives you an opportunity to make decisions uh, that you might not ordinarily make because you're locked into the way you think about a situation? And oftentimes what we do is we find our friends who think like us to get us to reinforce a decision we've already made. Uh, we're going to see um, in this instance where a decision needs to be made and he's given a couple of different um, opinions. And so in 1 Kings chapter 12, it says this, Then Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. Now Rehoboam was the son of Solomon, and Solomon died. So now what had happened was the people of Israel are coming to this place where they anoint kings and are going to have a meeting to acknowledge that Rehoboam is going to be king. However, they have a question of him before they consent to him being king. Because now when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard of it, he was living in Egypt, or he was yet in Egypt, where he had fled from the presence of the king of Solomon. So this is another one. The, the name sounds familiar. One is Rehoboam, the other is Jeroboam. Uh, two different people who have political connections, but it's Rehoboam who has got the uh, imprimatur of being the next king. And then he sent and called him, and Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam, saying, Your father made our yoke hard. Now therefore lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke which he put on us, and we will serve you. Then he said to them, Depart for three days, then return to me, so the people departed. So the people come in to say, We want you to lighten the load, if you will, not require as much service, not require as much taxes, not require the, the requirement of men serving in the military. They're saying, we want you to lighten that load. Now, Rehoboam has three choices. Choice number one, he can do what they're asking to lighten the load. Kind of in our modern day, someone says, we're going to reduce taxes and those types of things. The second choice that he might make is that he could make it more burdensome. I'm going to increase the taxes. I'm going to make uh, life a little more difficult for you because in the end, it's, it's better for you. And the third option is to keep the decisions and the policy the same as his father. But that doesn't seem to be an option anybody gives him. But he has three options. Now, he does have one wise aspect here. He says, let me think about this for three days. And anytime you have an important decision, I think it's important that you think about it, have time to reflect, to make a good decision, that you might receive counsel 
and then to assist you in making that decision. I also have a general policy. I'm not saying I never violate it, uh, but almost never, is that if, you're, if you say to me, you have to decide right now. You'll see that oftentimes if you're trying to buy a vehicle or, or some other type of investment. It's like, you have to do it right now. And if you don't do it right now, the opportunity is withdrawn from you. My almost 99% reflective opportunities, well, then the decision's made, no, thank you very much, I'm leaving. Because I generally think that when you make a decision in haste and with time pressure, you're going to make the wrong decision. Now, about the only time I change that is when you're in litigation and you're talking about potential settlement and the other side or you say, uh, we'll settle for X amount of money today. But if you don't take it today, we're, the offer's off the table. Now I start to think more seriously about it. Why? Because cost of litigation goes up. Now you've got to do more discovery. You've got to prepare for trial. Uh, you have all of those factors that now the cost is, is a, an important part of the consideration. So I do, in those instances, give it some thought uh, because it does have some impart as to whether you make the decision now. Also, because I've been uh, in the legal practice a long time, I also know that oftentimes clients will talk about it's the principal. And you'll try to get them to settle, and they'll say, yeah, but it's the principal. And go, well, it'll cost you some money. Well, it's the principal. Until we get to the courtroom steps to go to trial, and all of a sudden it seems principal is not as important because they now have to write a check for the legal fees, and they're going to take a look at they might win, they might lose. You never know. Um, you know stranger things have happened. Even if you think you're 95% certain you're going to win, there's still that 5% chance you won't. And so there in that whole decision-making, that is when you say, okay, well, time can be of importance. So Rehoboam at least initially acts wisely because he says, well, let me think about it. So come back in three days. You know, uh, that gives me time to, to seek counsel and to think about it and to do what's necessary. So they agree and they depart. And verse 6 says, so King Rehoboam consulted with the elders who had served his father Solomon while he was still alive, saying, how do you counsel me to answer this people? So he seeks counsel, and he seeks the counsel that his fathers had. Now, you would tend to think that because they were his father's counselors, they might say, well, just keep the, the policies that your father had in place because, you know, we were the elders, we were advising him, and we think that's the best course of action. So just keep things status quo. But that's not the counsel, they said. Then they spoke to him saying, if you will be a servant to this people today and will serve them and grant them their petition and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. Now, I find this counsel interesting because they basically say, if you'll be a servant to them, if you'll be a servant king, then they'll be your servant. But oftentimes people who are seeking power aren't so interested in the servant model. Now, that's exactly what Jesus was. Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and yet he came to serve and not to be served. So the example that we have is the servant model. Uh, many years ago, and, and the, the elected official who uh, did this has now passed away, so I won't 
say her name or whatever, but she was a part of the school board. And my wife was very active in uh, PTA, and there was an event where the parents uh, were at this school event, and some of the uh, school board members were there, and they had um, some refreshments and whatever. And I overheard this one uh, school board member say that she was kind of irritated because they weren't first in line. You see, she wasn't what we call a civil servant. She expected the position that she held to give her privileges. And we don't have in our world today, it seems to be the real servant model. Even pastors oftentimes and pastors' wives, they tend to have the, you serve me so that I can serve you, but I'm not going to serve you. I'm, I have my power. Um, I've known uh, some pastor wives who get upset when people don't, Clean their house. Your house, you clean it. But, you know, again, they think that the people are there to serve them. But their counsel is, if you serve them, you care about their problem, you care about their need, then they'll turn around and serve you. Now, to me, that seems to be wise counsel. And they're from elders. And like I said, he had three choices. He could keep the policy, lighten the policy, or make it heavier. Their counsel which to me is unexpected, was to lighten the burden. And so he said to them, what counsel do you give me? I'm sorry, verse 8. But he forsook the counsel of the elders, which they had given him and consulted with the young men who grew up with him and served him. So instead of making a decision after he's heard other counsel, he outright rejects the counsel of his father. Again, to me, very unwise. You listen to all sides, and then you make a decision. Some of the most successful administrations are those who don't have exclusively yes men. You have someone who disagrees. You may not make the decision following what they suggest, but at least it gives you the opportunity to hear the other viewpoint. But before he hears the other viewpoint, he already has made the decision to reject that counsel. Which again, is a mistake often people make when making decisions on their own. They hear something they don't like, so they reject it, and now look for counsel that more agrees with what they think. So he went to the young men who are, who he grew up with, who he, I don't know, who are going to have the same opinion, and let's face it, because they're associating with him, they're thinking they're going to benefit from that association. So he said, what to them, what counsel do you give that we may answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, lighten the yoke which your father put on us. The young men who grew up with him spoke to him, saying, thus you shall say to this people who spoke to you, saying, your father made our yoke heavy. Now you make it lighter for us. But you shall speak to them, my little finger is thicker than my father's loin. My, my little finger is even thicker than my father's thigh. Whereas my father loaded you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, 
but I will discipline you with scorpions. That's their counsel, to be a burden to the people. And not only as, he says, to whip them, which is hurtful. Scorpions can kill you. And so their counsel, you would think, would be just automatically rejected because it falls so far away from what the counsel of the elders was. You would have thought, at least in a moderation, said, no, just keep your father's policy. But say, no, no, we're going to tax you. We're going to burden you. And it's going to be almost to death. Then Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam on the third day, as the king had directed, saying, Return to me on the third day. The king answered the people harshly, for the, he forsook the advice of his elders, which they had given him. And he spoke to them according to the advice of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. He quotes the advice given to him by his young compatriots. He doesn't even moderate by saying, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it heavier. He quotes the offensive ideas that this council was. And you would think, although in our current politics today, there are often people will make decisions that you kind of scratch your head and say, well, I would have never done that. But, but that's, that's his decision. He takes the counsel of those who think like him. So the king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of events from the Lord that he might establish his word that the Lord had spoke through Ahazah the Shilomite to Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Basically what's happened here is that Rehoboam makes a decision. That decision is going to result in something, but that result is going to be exactly what God had foretold. If you will, what's going to happen next is going to happen because God had determined it. But if Rehoboam had made a better decision, it may have delayed it, or there may have been other reasons that God's word would come through. But instead, because he accepts the counsel of these young men, this is what happened. When all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king saying, What portion do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. Your tents, O Israel. Now look after your own house, David. So Israel departed their tent. But as for the sons of Israel who lived in the cities of Judah, Rehoboam reigned over them. So what happened is, is basically the nation got torn in two. The ten tribes of the north decided that they would succeed from the union of Israel and establish their own kingdom and their own king. And they would leave Judah and the other tribe of Benjamin alone and David, uh, successors, his family would only be king in Judah. There was a split. Because of that split, 
in order to avoid people going to Jerusalem to worship as was required by the law, the king there in Israel set up places of worship in Israel. So much so that in the time of Jesus, when he was talking to the Samaritan woman, he was talking about, well, we worship here and you worship there. And there's that. So there was that schism that happened. Eventually, Israel will be held into captivity and bondage, and Judah will remain a little longer. But even then, Judah itself will be taken into captivity and bondage. So we see as a result of the decision that was made, far-reaching consequences happened, not just to the king, but to all the people of Israel and Judah. It seems to be a decision that maybe you would think that if he'd have thought it through, he would have decided differently. So again, that comes down to today and you and me. How do we make decisions? Difficult decisions. Decisions that sometimes may influence the rest of our lives and sometimes maybe only have affect the next 15 minutes. But we are all confronted with decisions frequently. What we should take from this is a couple of things. One, as Rehoboam did correctly, he delayed the decision to give him time to seek counsel. But where Rehoboam made the mistake he rejected the counsel before he got all of it. Once he had all the counsel, then he should have made a decision. But because the counsel wasn't what he wanted to hear, he rejected it and then sought other counsel so that it might be in response to what he wanted. So you and I, when we're faced with difficult decisions and we're seeking counsel, we shouldn't reject counsel outright until we've had an opportunity to hear all the people that we take a look at. And again, we should look for people who are wise, people who understand, maybe people who have experienced the same situation as we do. I know that there's this uh, financial person on the radio, and he says, you know, if you, you want to be rich, find out what rich people do and do that. You want to find out what people who have been married a long time do? Go talk to people who have been married a long time and do that. That's the types of things that we should do that you seek wisdom. Find out from counsel what it is people who have been successful in these difficult decisions and times. And then try to emulate that. Or say, maybe I should take a different course. I also caution you to maybe not always look at experts. Because we have experts in all kinds of fields. Let me use an example of economists. I'm going to pick on them. Almost every time you hear a news story about the inflation being higher or lower or the uh, job report is better or worse, almost every single time when they give the numbers, they say, the experts didn't expect. The experts didn't think. Pretty soon, you're starting to think, well, who are these experts? Because they're always wrong. 
Perhaps it would be more helpful if they would say, well, 80% of the experts were wrong, 20% were right. So you go, well, what were the 20% so I can listen to them? So just because somebody claims to be an expert, claims to be a Christian counselor, claims to be a family uh, person who can mediate between uh, division. Well, what's your success rate? Are you truly an expert or you just have a degree? So I encourage you, one, to find counsel. Second, if you'll turn to um, I'm sorry, Psalms chapter 32, verse 8. Here's a place that I highly recommend that you seek counsel. Psalms 32, verse 8 says, I, which being God, will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. God is saying, come to me. Get counsel from me. I have my eye on you. I know I know every hair on your head. I know when you rise up and when you lay down. I know the intentions of your heart and your mind. I know you. Come seek counsel from me. And all too often, that's the last place we seek counsel. Instead of going to God, we go to experts or go to family members. We should seek counsel in the Lord. Well, how do you do that? Number one, you read the scripture. You read the scripture. And number two, you pray. You seek God's counsel. You seek his instruction. Now, all too often, we don't move to that point until we're desperate to make a decision. And I've heard people who say, well, you know, I've, I, I had a spiritual problem, didn't know what to do. So I took my Bible and I flipped through the pages and stuck my finger and then I read it. And lo and behold, I got good counsel. Oh, wonderful. And the Bible is full of great counsel and great wisdom. But hoping that you'll get counsel from flipping the pages and sticking your finger, you may find yourself in numbers and this tribe had this many people and that tribe had that many people and you start to say, well, how does that help me? Doing that is like saying, my retirement plan is playing the lottery. Now you might get lucky, but most of us don't. So we need to read the scriptures and be committed to them. Too often, when it comes to making decisions, it's like tomorrow we're having the final exam and we haven't studied. So all of a sudden we cram and try to put as much information that is in the books and on our notes into our head so that we might remember it for the 45 minutes or three hours or however long the test is and then regurgitate it and hope we've remembered it and then walk away and hope we pass or, or whatever. Well, I can tell you by cramming, you might pass a test, but you didn't receive any information because you started in a short-term memory 
and it'll be of little use to you in the future. What we should be doing is preparing ourselves because we know that life is complete with decision after decision after decision. And so we should be studying the Word of God to see His counsel, not cramming the night before, but having an overall breath of wisdom and knowledge so that when the time of decision is made, you know what is wise counsel, you know what is foolish counsel, and you know the way to go. And the last scripture I'd like to share with you is found in Proverbs chapter 1. Starting with verse 1. And again, it's interesting that Solomon wrote Proverbs, known as the wisest man that ever lived. And as we saw in a previous message, yeah, he was wise, but he wasn't wise enough. But he also seemed to make another fatal mistake. I went to all the various schooling, elementary, junior high, high school, college, law school, went to seminary, did all these things. None of that information was gen genetically transferred to my children. They had to go to school. They had to learn what two plus two was. They had to learn that Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492. They had to learn and they had to meet their own tests and their own uh, challenges when it came to school. I now have grandchildren. It didn't transfer from me, it didn't transfer to my children, and it didn't transfer to my grandchildren. Each generation must learn not only information, but must learn wisdom. And we need to teach that, not in a cramming situation, but day after day after day after day. So that they might develop it. And here we see in one generation, from Solomon, the father, to Rehoboam, the son, seems to have never picked up any wisdom from his father. So it says this, the proverb of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. He's going, we need to learn these things. We need to do these things. It's not simply good enough to learn something. We need to practice it. And then we need to take the wisdom that we have leaned onto and pass that to those who are naive, those who are simple in understanding and lack discretion. We are to pass wisdom on. A wise man will hear and increase in learning. Most people who are successful and most people that I would say that I would rank as intelligent, didn't stop learning when they stopped going to school. As a matter of fact, 
the learned people understood that all school did was give you the resources to find the information so that they could become knowledgeable and wise. If you think that as soon as you get your cap and gown and you've stopped learning, you've stopped growing, you've stopped understanding, and you will make foolish decisions. So a wise man will hear and increase in learning. You never stop learning. And a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. Notice, all too often we think, well, I'm a smart man, I'm wise, I'm going to follow my own counsel. The wisest man who ever lived said, you know what you ought to do, wise man? Get other wise counsel. Now, I particularly know this because I remember when I was an associate pastor. And there would be things that needed to be done or decided. And I would advocate for one type of decision. Then later when I became the pastor, looking back at that role, I would have said I had freedom to give that counsel because I didn't have to live with the results. The pastor, the senior pastor. And so when I became the pastor and had to live but the consequences of my decision, my decisions oftentimes were different than I would have advocated before. So you need to understand that. So when people give you counsel, they give you counsel because they don't have to follow the counsel they're giving you. They go on to their homes and do whatever. So you need to understand that, as some people say, have skin in the game. To understand that when you make a decision, there will be consequences. One of my favorite sayings, and I'm sure maybe somebody else came up with it, so this is an unknown plagiarism, but my expression was, the only perfect decision is the one you don't make, because you have to live with all the ones you do. But when you seek wise counsel, both in the sense of people and the word of God and in prayer, you're probably going to get excellent, wise counsel that you can depend on and know that when you make that decision, that you can live with it. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddle. And then he's going to say something astonishingly correct, full of wisdom and understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Understanding this, taking God seriously is just the beginning. And if you paid attention to the previous messages, you've seen that when people make decisions, they have discounted the fear of God. They have purposely done what violated the scripture. And yet Solomon, who does this very same thing, says, beginning of knowledge is fear of God. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. 
He says in the interim, the wise people seek wisdom. They seek understanding. They start with a worldview of God. Fools do not. As a matter of fact, they don't even want to listen to wisdom. And that's exactly what Rehoboam did. He despised the instruction of the elders because it did not lend its support to what he wanted to do. So make sure when you're making a decision that you do so because it's in the best interest of all concerned. But most importantly, that when you make a decision, you might want to ask yourself this simple question. If I make this decision this way, does it make me closer to God or further from Him? If the answer is further from Him, then the answer should be clear. And if the decision will bring you closer to God, then you're probably making the correct decision. We need to build our life on God, on the love of Jesus and his principles, understanding that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And all God's people said.